0: Welcome to our LGBTQ history walks. Um, this is a one in a number that we've been recording for the Norfolk Heritage Center. Uh, my name is Joe Foster Murdoch. I work at the Millennium Library and do a bit of work for the Heritage Center. I'm also a queer historian. and um, I've got my friend, colleague, local historian, James Watts here as well. Um, today to who's joined us on a few walks in the past we're recording these now as podcasts we did want to take you out for LGBT history month for some walks but because of the pandemic we're not allowed to do that so but this part of the walk um, we're going to start from Westwick Street kind of car park which in Norwich is um, is free to park there it's um, where TK Maxx and the old Toys R Us used to be So if if you're not parking, if you're coming unfit, if you imagine you're coming from that direction and we'll be able to direct you from there. So if you travel from there towards St Crispin's roundabout, on the corner of that roundabout, you'll find a really unusual structure, a 10-sided concrete prefabricated, or well, it is prefabricated, I think, um, toilet. It's now locked up but um, we've got a little bit of history about that. And that, that toilet was um, a quite well-known cottage. Um, it was built in the 1880s, um, along with a number of other ones by, built by the um, city corporation. Um, but we believe that one was moved there at 1919, um, and it's placed near where Norwich City railway station used to be actually. So it would have been well-frequented by, um, by people um James you know a little bit more about the those toilet or the toilet actually it's just one kind of room isn't it I bet loads of people have driven past it loads of times and thought what is that
1: it it is a really unusual looking building Joe. and I think you know you look at it and you think it just looks like it's, it's arrived from another world, but which in a sense it has, because um, it was designed by A.E. Collins, the city engineer in the 1880s. And uh, typical for the Victorians, there was kind of, they loved their detail on civic uh, you know, public structures and they really did spend a lot of time and, and love on them. So it's got a two-story roof uh, fitted with glazed panels. Its sides are decorated with a repeating floral pattern in precast concrete. And um, the, it survived uh, after it was moved there in 1919, dating from the 1880s, it moved there in 1919 uh, to city station. Then it survived the Biedecker raids by the Luftwaffe in 1942 that destroyed a lot of the city and also demolition to make way for new roads in the 1960s and 70s. Um, and yet it's still there. And I think in 1998, the Department of Culture decided to give it grade 2 uh, listed building which is the same as you know St Catherine's House on All Saints Green, some of the other 18th century uh, treasures of Norwich and uh, that was because it was it's Britain's oldest ten-sided uh, concrete gent's lavatory and uh, I think a pretty, pretty unique survival but for our purposes it's certainly been known to the uh, gay community in Norwich for a number of decades as uh, a rendezvous and meeting place uh don't know exactly how long but if it was near city station it could be quite a long time uh maybe even going back to the post-war or the interwar years again in the 20s and 30s who knows But certainly the 60s 70s onwards there's a lot of uh memory of um people using it as a rendezvous spot all the way up to the 90s when i think it was formally closed uh and it still stands there and uh you know, it's quite a, quite an amazing achievement, really. Quite an amazing spot.
0: It's lovely. It's, I don't know if it's a pissoir and if it goes straight into... It's right on the river, isn't it? I don't know whether it's a urinal inside or it's a toilet. I Because there's a big... You know, it's boarded up and there's a big padlock on the door. So someone else will have to fill us in with that information, I think. But I imagine with it being right on the river, it probably was a pissoir, Um yeah. I imagine. So, yes. So, um and also... Um, I was talking about the railways, actually. The railways, actually, for people, that really opened up life for people, didn't it? So people were able to come to cities, see a totally different life. You know, they'd lived in a rural community. They just thought, this is my only life that's optional for me. And it opened up a new way of life coming to the city. So it would have been wonderful for people to to come and, and maybe try different things, you know. So um, the railways were a massive massive part of um people's gay histories I think and, and trans histories and things as well. So um I think that its location really close to the the railway you know what would have been the railway would have been quite important because people might have met there and said i'll meet you on a tuesday at the, the, the at so-and-so time so this is my yeah. romantic side we've just had valentine's day so i think that's my romantic <laughs> problem you know side, yeah you know.
1: why why not and of course there were three stations as we know in norwich sort of city station victoria station I can never remember quite where that was, but, that's and a, uh, and the main, Traus. Traus. it is yeah. Trouse, I thought it yeah. was, yeah, thank you, and also Thorpe Station itself, of course, and uh, so Norwich was well connected for both, you know, goods and freight and people, uh, with those three stations, all the way through to uh, beaching and the 1960s when those two were uh, closed down, and we were left with Thorpe, so,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a beautiful. It comes up later in our walk, actually. So um, we'll carry on a little bit further with our walk. So we're going to cross over the road now. Be really careful when you cross this road over St Crispin's, and we're going to go over to Oak Street. So go over both parts of the carriageway and and walk a little bit further up Oak Street, and we'll come to um, a nightclub set further back from the road called the Talk and um, that's been quite well known um, as a venue since I think the 60s, but um, during the 90s, so quite recent history, but still very important history to tell, um, there used to be a well-attended um, night for lesbians called Sister a- Axe, and that was really well attended between kind of 95 to 97 apparently, so um yeah, the talks have been menu, uh, a venue for lots, lots of different things, but just wanted to make sure that really got mentioned as well. Um, and as you walk a little bit further up on your right, you've got um, Sussex Street. And if you turn down Sussex Street, you'll be able to see along there, there was a pub called the Spread Eagle. Um, now that was gay run in the eighties, um, I believe, and um, yeah, it was was very welcoming. Um, so that that was kind of like another venue that people could go to where they could just relax basically and not feel like you know it was very gay welcoming um, but that was on Sussex Street and if you carry on along there you come along to um, St Augustine's now there's quite a few different venues along here and um, there is the sex shop um, which is kind of almost in front of you I think when you come out of um, Sussex Street um, and they that would have been a place where certainly I know the loft was supplied with poppers um, from there and uh, obviously other paraphernalia that people might have bought from the sex shop there as well <laughs> so um, there, there's that on St Augustine so very very important place and uh, as you walk a little bit further up you've got of course got the Catherine Wheel that's run by um, Bernice and Dawn they've been running that since 2009 um, a great venue and um, James you've been to the Catherine Wheel?
1: I I have been to the Catherine Wheel, uh, not a huge number of times. So I've been a few times and it's a lovely old place as well. And in fact, uh, although, as you say, I mean, it's been, uh, you know, gay or LGBT uh, since 2009. The actual pub, I think itself, goes back to the 1640s, right the way back to the Civil Wars, um, as a pub, as an inn, if I'm right. It's certainly got a long, long history behind it as as an inn, as a pub as well.
0: Wow, fantastic. I know a lot of people go there. They, have, they had some great nights um, there as well for different, you know, you can sing and dance. Every, everyone's welcome there. So I think, um, you know, obviously during the pandemic at the moment, then the pubs and things are open, but as soon as they're open, we'll be down there, I'm sure. Um And um, when you come out of the Catherine Wheel pub, if you go a little bit further up the road, right on the corner there, there's a big um, spa shop now, but that used to actually be a swimming pool. That used to be the city swimming pool It's called St. Augustine's. And that was a place where um, gay men used to meet there as well but um, unfortunately got knocked down you know numbers of years ago Um, and we were without a swimming pool I think in Norwich for quite a few numbers of years but a few men have reported to us that that was a really important you know kind of place to meet um, one another so um, that's that's all of our kind of bits on St Augustine's now we're going to walk there's quite a little bit of a hike as as we go along, but we're going to head towards a pub, another pub now. We've got quite a few pubs, churches and cottages on this walk. So um, we all know what cottages are now. I think we've explained that last time. So we're going to have, we're going to walk now along um a so look magpie road yeah that's right so if you're at the spa now um you turn you're turning facing the spa you turn right along magpie road and um keep walking keep walking until you get to the end and then you get to the the artichoke pub and they do have an LGB they have a, a pride flag or a rainbow flag flying outside there so you should be able to um you should be able to notice it there um with the during um for Norwich Pride 2019 they actually brewed a beer um called Respect and they called that the queer beer Um so because they're also connected with the Golden Triangle Brewery so um Kevin who's the landlord there he's, he's very LGBT welcoming as well and he's been on one of our walks before as well so um yeah if, if pubs are open again when you go on this walk pop in there and you'll be very very welcome this isn't all about pubs but there's quite a lot about pubs <laughs> as, as, you, as you turn down now and um, to go down to magdalen street which um, if you have your back to the artichoke magdalen street's right in front of you um on on the left as you walk down uh, it's 135 magdalen street um it's the old white lion pub um, and that was um, turned into um, a, play, a a club up called the Jacquard Club. Um, it was opened by Albert and Tony Cooper. Albert Cooper's still a local musician, plays locally in pubs. I was lucky enough to interview him as well, and he's he's played in many venues um, in Norwich. Um, and this the Jacquard Club. Um, actually, Paul Simon played there in 1971, so it used to attract quite a few, you know, big names. Um, it's just to the right of Hartley's Yard. If you're having a job finding it here on Magdalen Street. But um, upstairs, there used to be a club, um, a club night called Penguins. So, um, yeah, and that that was a that was kind of like a lesbian venue up there as well. So that was quite, um, quite well attended um, there and. Um, the Jacquard Club was reincarnated really from an, another place, from the Mischief from the 1960s. It was the back room of the Mischief. That's where the Jacquard Club first started, but they actually turned the White um, Lion Pub into the Jacquard as well when they moved out of there. Um, let's have a think and it's also called Santana's at some point as well and they'd pair and they played punk indie and goth music right up until 1992 when unfortunately the venue closed I don't it's definitely not a pub or anything anymore now but I hope you've you've found the venue that we're talking about so we're going to walk a little bit further now down towards um, Anglia Square Um, and if you um, walk to the entrance i think there's a card shop on the corner and there's another kind of shop that sells kind of blankets with wolves on do you know where i've been mean, james that kind of entrance to anglia square there yeah yeah uh, that part there and if you look upwards um, of that um where all the bus stops and things are if you look up there's a place called the uh, regency suite rooms and there was um, a place called the jigsaw club that up there as well. And um, that was actually in the gay times in 1989. It was a Wednesday night venue. It was a gay club um, and disco. So, um, oh, it's actually, it's a, it, and it was also called Altinas for a while as well. Um, and it's, um, it was a jewelers then I think underneath at the time. So um, yeah, in the mid '90s, it was well fre- frequented by girls there as well. So it was a great. It sounds like Magdalen Street was the place to go at the t- you know and at that time, very a lot safer than it would have been perhaps, um, perhaps before. Um, and we're going to walk a bit further now down um, Magdalen Street. We're going to just stop on the um, car park under the flyover, the Magdalen Street car park. The toilets there, towards the back, that was definitely a cottage um definitely a cottage there where where people used to meet so um yeah that would be a place that would definitely be a, a venue there where where um you know pe- people would definitely be meeting at, at that cottage in fact I went on another um, queer history walk with Ian Giles and that was um the place we actually met was at that car park but um yeah, so from from the um, car from the car park there, it's St Saviour's Lane, where the toilets are. So St Saviour's Church, it's behind St Saviour's Church. The Magdalene Street toilets are, I can see it now on this map. And then you'd behind there, you then go down Blackfriars Street, and uh, it brings you out onto Fishergate. And if you walk along, so if you've come down Blackfriars Street and you um, turn left then to go down to Fishergate, you go and get onto Whitefriars Bridge. And that's actually the, the next venue that we want to be. So um, just to repeat that again, so round the back, if you're you walk down St. Saviour's Lane, with St. Saviour's Church would be on your left or behind you, and then at the end of there, you turn right down Blackfriars Street and then left onto Fishergate. And at the end of Fishergate, you've got Whitefriars Bridge. And um, right on the corner there, um, you may have driven past this a number number of times, uh, there's actually some toilets and that's a pissoir that's kind of um, built into the bridge. It was actually built as part of the bridge. Again, it's boarded up and got a padlock on it, but really interesting because that was um, a quite well-known cottage there as well. And across the, across the way there um, was Gerald's print works. And it said that the security guard there used to kind of time people going in and out of the uh, toilets and then um, you know, often report people if they were spending too long um, in those toilets. So um, that, that's another piece of oral history that we were given from there. Um, but also um just another little thing about Geralds there. The Gerald's family, of course, are quite well known um in Norfolk for their for their print works, stationery, of course, their wonderful shop. But um the son of the family, Julian Gerald, um, directed the movie Kinky Boots, and he also directed the recent Netflix uh, The Crown as well. So um quite quite a well-known director, but obviously Kinky Boots is a favourite of us all. <laughs> from there, so we're going to actually walk over um, Whitefriars Bridge now, and um, once once we're over Whitefriars Bridge, we'll actually take that little walk along the riverside, so you can cut down and actually walk along the riverside, take you along the quayside there, and um, um, as as you walk along, what will come into view is the um the mischief, and as we mentioned before about the mischief is um, that that was the um, the very first um jacquard club which was at, at the back of the mischief pub um and it, it was run it was oh i mean a lot of people have said it was the first gay scene that they knew of in the early 70s so 71 72 and um, the landlady there was um really well liked she was next ex a girl called um billy Izzard, and um she she was really well liked and well known and she was very kind you know to to the um, lgbt community there so um yes and that was that was where those jazz nights started at the back in the jackal club which then were moved up and uh, went to the top of uh, Magdalen street as we mentioned before but as we carry on now we then come along towards um tombland so if you keep walking now down went street You'll get to Palace Street and on the corner you're the wonderful Maid's Head Hotel. Um, I'm gonna be quiet now for a little girl, uh, for a little while, should I say. Um, and um we will we'll talk a little bit what about what we know um about tombland. So was the parish pump was in tombland here somewhere, wasn't it, James?
1: That's right, yeah. And there was an interesting sort of incident which took place there. Back in 1773, so um, we know from a local paper uh, that uh, the following was reported. Two men went into a public house near Tombland and being in a room by themselves were detected in attempting to commit, as as they put it, an unnatural crime. One made his escape. The neighbours soon assembled about the door, particularly the women who seized the other and conducted him to the common pump. Well, they gave him a severe ducking. Now, this um, we know that the, uh, the pump, the common pump on Teamland, until I think a few years after this, was actually in the middle of the road. Um, so it suggests that, you know, it's possible it was actually where the Louis Marchese is now, Marchese is now. Um, that was a pub which was a few years old in 1773. It could have been that one. There were one or two others uh, where the two men were apprehended and and then the one that was captured was publicly, ritually shamed. What's interesting about the behaviour of the, the women, as it's described, is that this is something which also happens in London when it comes to Uh, men being discovered you know in the midst of passion and uh, there's a kind of a sense almost of of gender policing and gender revenge. And certainly when it comes to the Mollies in the early 18th century, uh, a lot of the complaints and the stereotyping of the Mollies says, oh, well, you know, they hate women and, you know, they, they basically they dishonor the, the, the name of women and disrespect them, which may not necessarily have been tr- true at all. But it's kind of, you know, they're painted as being uh, misogynists. And so there is a lot of ritual behaviour about um, ducking the uh, ducking the men that are discovered uh, by the women uh, of the parish, or those who discover them um, under a local pump. And and it's interesting that it should happen in Norwich the same way in the 1770s. Um, And this is the earliest uh, same-sex recorded same-sex behaviour that I think we're currently aware of in. Norwich. It's not to say there isn't stuff that might come out one day which will be much earlier but uh, you know in terms of what's currently known 1773 is the first reported uh, event. Uh, I suspect there is a lot which is earlier but uh, we just haven't found it yet. But uh, yeah so really interesting and it suggests that like a lot of places in the 18th century things were going on in Norwich.
0: Yeah definitely. Um we're gonna have we're not gonna go there today, but if you walk a bit further down Palace Street, so in front of the Maidshead Hotel, um keep going, keep going, and then you get um back down towards um the St. Martin at Palace Plain. So you could have got here really from Whitefriars as well, but if you keep going, there's the um the Adam and Eve pub. And that was that was um, also gay run um, at one point in the 80s as well, and is also very welcoming. And also, you've got Bishop's Gate, so um, that would have been the main entrance to to the cathedral close there. So on the corner of Bishop's Gate and almost St. Martin at, at Palace Plain, that kind of road there, um, there was a well-known, co- it is no more, unfortunately. There is no markings or anything to see it, but where the entrance of Bishop's um, Gate actually would have got into the cathedral close, there was definitely um, a toilet there, a, a, a urinal, really. And um, it was it was a, a really well-known um, cottage there. So, um, th- but there are there no markings or anything to be able to show you but if you were just to find where that entrance is that would definitely that would um you'd definitely be able to find it but we're going back to now back to um, kind of Tombland, going a little bit back on ourselves um we want to go up elm hill really don't we james yeah. so if we go back to what back from the maid's head back up Wensom Street and um, you've got a Wetherspoons on your right and you've got um, a, a lovely little kind of restaurant on the corner called Olives. Now Elm Hill is um, a beautiful cobbled street so I wouldn't necessarily say it's um, pushchair or wheelchair or bicycle friendly but um, the story is well worth hearing um, anyway that, uh, that James is going to tell us about Father Ignatius.
1: Yes, I'm going to talk about um, Joseph Lester Line, who was better known by his religious name as Father Ignatius of uh, Jesus. And he was an Anglican Benedictine monk. Um, he basically started a movement to reintroduce monasticism into the Church of England. So, you know, we're talking about the Victorian era when there was a big push um, in fascination with medieval religion and culture and you know design and so on and uh, things like the Oxford movement attempting to to kind of cross the the breach if you like between Roman Catholicism and Anglicanism and I suppose Lester Lester line Joseph Lester line father Ignatius sits in the middle of that so um, he uh, basically uh, came to Norwich in the 1860s um, with a view of uh, founding a new um, community there, monastic community. I think he had tried to do one, uh, create one in Norwich, sorry, in Suffolk as well. So in 1863, despite having been denied a license to preach uh, by the then Bishop of Norwich, John Pelham, uh, he acquired premises on Elm Hill, Norwich in the face of local opposition. And um, he uh, attempted, to uh, create this kind of ideal community along Elm Hill. And if you walk along there, you'll see the plaque that says exactly where the monastery was for two or three rather fraught years between, uh, I think it was 1866 and 1868, uh, or it may be 1864 and 1868, actually. Um, And uh, he was well known for sort of walking up and down the streets, trying to get people to pray with him. And he would curse you if you didn't pray with him. And uh, Uh, So he was quite a character. But what sort of stands out for us is that there are suggestions uh, that there may have been goings on between one or two of the monks and local lads. And this came out in uh, the Victorian papers at the time in the mid 1860s. And there was a big sort of scandal when some of the monks turned on each other and, you know, started speaking out publicly and saying that uh, these these things had been going on and such and such had been carrying on with a certain local lad. And uh, so this was, again, another bit of a nail in the coffin for um, Father Ignatius's hopes of the monastery in Norwich. And uh, so I think 1868, he left Norwich and went off back to where he grew up in London to try and... Uh, Set up something there instead, but certainly as a character, he attracted a lot of notoriety. There used to be riots, you know, outside the monastery, and people sort of were not happy that they were there. But uh, you know, and then of course all these allegations came out that the monks were uh, were sort of romancing the local lads. So you know that uh, that all added to the uh, the suspicion, I suppose, as well at the time in the eighteen sixties. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting story down there on Elm the Hill.
0: Yeah, um, we actually missed a couple of things out when we were down at Teemland, which I completely. Um, looking at this map, I need we need we should have really mentioned them, and one of them is called, uh, of course, um, Ritzy's nightclub, um, which is now um, not called Ritzy's nightclub, and it's got but it's got massive, uh, Samson and Hercules statues outside. We of course have their own. Kind of LGBT connotations. Um, but the, um, the nightclub was also, um, Frankie Goes to Hollywood went there in 1984, so they played um, at that venue um, in July there. But um, that nightclub would have been really um, well, at, well attended um, anyway. But of course, the Samson and Hercules statues that are outside, um, they, they're quite well known. Uh, I think it's now a lobster restaurant, um but um uh, nevertheless um the, the you know the venue and the, the structures itself really you know holds quite a bit of meaning i think um but ac- across the road here if you were to um go there's the edith cavell memorial across the road um from the um ritzy's nightclub and um there's also if you go through erpingham Ur- gate And then um, as if you're going towards the cathedral and then then turn right. um, Along there you have um, where the Norwich Centre Group first set up um, um, in the cathedral close there. And it was, um, I think it was called 71 um, for that very reason, because it was number 71. So if you go past number 71, that was where Norwich Centre Group kind of first um, set up, which was um, a kind of a gay support um, for people in the 1970s, and, um, and continued um, well, well into the 80s, and I believe early 90s as well, um, for, you know, su- supporting local people but so those are the two venues that I also wanted to, to mention there, but we can, we can nip back up to the top of um, Elm Hill if we, if um, you're still continuing on your Elm Hill walk, and um, at the very top there, um, you'll come along to, you'll go past all the teddy bear shop, all the wonderful um, other shops and ven- the, uh, venues along there, Elm Hill goes off to the left, if you continue there, keep going, keep going, and then you get you get to um, St. Michael at Plea, a 15th uh, century church, I believe, and um in there st michael at plea then you have the archdeacon's court and the reason why um we want to mention that is because that's where the depositions um would have been read which are the moral crimes and um, which would have been heard at the bar which would have been right at the very back of the church you can you can go into that church um if we've got a coffee shop there at the back now so where you're sitting having your coffee would have been where the uh, bar was and people would have had to make their plea hence why it's called St Michael at plea so any churches and we have a lot in Norfolk as James will be able to tell you in a little while particularly in Norwich but any churches that end with at plea it's where any kind of depositions or moral crimes would have been heard and uh, we actually at Norfolk uh, Record Office at the Archive Centre, which is behind County Hall. And once that's open, you can actually have a look at the depositions and just find out, it just reveal things about um, ordinary everyday life. But um, that's where those records that james was saying well we haven't discovered anything else yet Uh, the the depositions haven't really been looked at deeply by anybody um and no one that has that you know has had the opportunity really to sit and go through them um, unless they're looking for something specific so that's another um, piece of work that kind of needs doing when we get the chance to do it it'd be fantastic won't it so that kind of um, brings us to the end of our, that kind of little area. Um, if you want to continue with the walk, we're, we're going to continue towards King Street in the pub that's now called The Last Pub Standing. But if you want to finish the walk now, you're very welcome to and then join us on the next recording.